Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Give Jesus a great big hand clap in Maui tonight. King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who crushed the head of the devil permanently. Can I tell you some good news? The devil's not going to have America. Can I tell you more good news? Every wicked plan to destroy the United States of America, God will deal with it this year in Jesus' name. After I leave, the Antichrist can do whatever he wants, but until then he should sit his butt down. Amen. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I'll give my church power to survive. He said, I'll build my church. I will multiply them and they will not be few. I will increase them and they will not be small. Of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. I'm going to have you sit down in a second. But before you do, when this whole thing hit in March, I told you uh, last March when COVID hit, I was preaching in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And they never locked down. The state of South Dakota is one of the only states, I think it was the only state that never did any kind of lockdown. No business restrictions. They basically played it like Sweden did. So when I preached there, you couldn't tell anything was wrong. Well, then towards the end of the week, you could kind of tell stuff was wrong. And then when I flew back to the northeast where I live, you could, you could really tell things were wrong. And so I wasn't going to shut down anything we were doing because I made up my mind uh, not that year. You know, when I was six and we'd go to children's camp or youth camp. I think about it now, it seems so crazy to me because they'd sit us down at eight years old. They'd say, now the day is going to come where they're going to want to cut your head off if you're a Christian. Do you understand that? You know, you were seven. Yeah, I got it. Are you willing to have your head cut off? No problem. I'll, I'll do that. They told you what you were signing up for. And I also remember, I also remember my father, you know, my father would preach on Bible prophecy at least once a week in any of the revival meetings. And I remember when I took history, I knew enough that when he was talking about what the Bible clearly says in the book of Revelation, there'll be a one world ruler named Antichrist. There'll be a one world religion. There'll be a one world money system that no man can buy or sell without a mark. Now think of this, that no man will be able to buy or sell without a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And you're having that openly talked about right now. Whether you're going to need a, some type of mobile pass on your phone. The Bible says one day then it'll just shift to a, a chip smaller than a grain of rice that they already have the technology for in your hand. This isn't, the, anybody that's paid attention to the Bible knew that this was coming. So basically, if I can sniff anybody that has that spirit, that's looking for total population control or to jerk with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I know what it leads to. I had a pastor call me that I'm, I, I'm friends with. And I made the news. One day I woke up, I was on the front page of a newspaper in England because I heard that they didn't want anybody meeting. And I said, if the devil, it's not God that doesn't want Christians meeting. In fact, you can take your seats now. Otherwise, I'm going to have to pray for people for varicose veins or whatever. <laughs> That's the last thing I want to do. And if you do pray for somebody's legs, make sure it's their legs that need prayed for. One time my uncle Ted, he's, a, he's an evangelist. And he was laying hands on people in the prayer line, and he said to the lady, what do you want prayer for? She said, my knees. He got down on his knees and started rubbing her knees. He said, in the name of Jesus, I command these knees. And she went, my niece. 
And he said, I'll be right back up. You think of it from that lady's perspective, that must have been weird. Can you pray for my sister's kid? Sure. One world government, one world ruler, one world money system. No pra- now think of this, that no man can buy or sell without a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. That's, to- that's not only total population control, that's a, a money system where you obviously they're going to have to do away with cash. And now you're seeing this openly talked about. This isn't on some conspiracy website. This is on uh, the United Nations website. It's called Agenda 2030. No, no private property ownership. Uh, you know, and you heard people now. People are happy to get welded in their home and they want 600 bucks or 2000 You're debating between $600 and $2,000. Are you kidding me? They're going to take your whole job and get, float your two grand it's not $17.91. $2,000 doesn't last for a year. So I had taken enough U.S. history to know what the Constitution said when I was a little kid. And one day my dad was preaching about that kind of stuff. And when we drove home, obviously I didn't want to get a spanking, so I didn't challenge him. And I believed him. I believe what the Bible says. But I said, Dad, I believe what you preached, that one day there'll be a one-world ruler, a one-world government, a one-world military capable of... In- enforcing the edicts of the Antichrist and all that. I said, but how can that happen with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? It's not possible. And my dad said, I know, son, and I don't know. Now, this is like 92, 1992. My dad said, I I know, son. I don't know how it will happen, but all I can tell you is one day the day will come where they'll try to move in on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and try to shut down the church. Well, I'm talking about it right now, aren't I? So I I made a mental note right then that the first time I saw a whiff of that, I'd fight it with every fiber of my being. Now, I don't have a church. I'm an evangelist. So if they shut churches down, it actually doesn't affect me at all. It would have a few years ago because I only traveled and preached. But now, as your pastor mentioned, on television and broadcasting, I actually have the most, if you're just going to look at it from a business standpoint, if I didn't care about souls or people or anything, financially, the best weeks are when we're home. We could sustain the whole ministry without me ever leaving the house, so I didn't need to leave. But just on principle, when they told, now it's one thing if they ask churches to have mitigation measures or whatever, but when you tell churches they can't meet, that's not God. That's the devil. Because God's not schizophrenic. God wrote in the book of Hebrews. Remember, all scripture is God-breathed and inspired. And God said in Hebrews, you should be meeting together more often and not less often as you see the coming of the Lord approaching. Now, what was the result when churches closed for 90 days? Did America get better or did America get worse? Well, practically the whole country was on fire. You can't tell me that there's not a correlation because Jesus said, the church isn't here to have little encouraging meetings. The church is salt of the earth. Anybody that cures their own meat, like my friends in Hana that shoot boar, You cure it with salt. Salt keeps the meat from rotting. Jesus said the church is what keeps the world from rotting. You you are light in darkness. But if the salt loses its savor, how will you make it salty again? You know, the truth is the devil can't take the world while the church is still here. Because the devil is not over the church's head. The devil's not eye to eye. The devil is under our feet. 
If you believe that, can you shout a living amen and give the Lord a mighty hand clap on this great island called Maui? Somebody shout hallelujah. In fact, when I was preaching down with uh, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but uh, I've been trying to distance myself from him because he's controversial. But anyway, since I already said his name, I went down to preach with him in the summer and he invited a lot of people to come and preach and they want to come. I'm talking full gospel, healing people. I'm not risking my life and getting on a plane during this thing. Well, one of the guys that came, uh, his name's Tony Suarez. He was one of the only guys that would come. So I asked him when we were in a room together, I said, how come you're still going around preaching? How come you're not staying home until all this is over? He said, I grew up in Columbia. My dad was a pastor in Columbia, and we had to flee because of communism. They took our Bibles, they shut our churches down, and my dad told me when I was a little boy in America, so he had a psycho father like me. His dad said, son, the day will come where they'll try to take your Bible in America, and they'll try to close the churches down. When they do that, fight it with every fiber of your being. Well, I made myself a new friend. And then when I heard, uh, my, when my one friend called me, he said, well, everybody's shutting down. I said, there's no way everybody's shutting down. And if you ask your pastor, you can tell I'm not making this up for some uh, church illustration or whatever. I called your pastor in March. I said, are you shutting down King's, King's Cathedral? Do you know I didn't even get Kings out? And he went, no. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, if I heard, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He, he's in the right spot because he's like a volcano. Just calm and erupt. <laughs> I said, are you shutting down King's Cathedral? He said, no. Well, I, didn't, I figured he didn't. That's why I called it. When they said everybody shouldn't, I said, there's no way. If I, if I heard Dr. Morocco had shut down King's Cathedral, I'd probably just renounce Christianity, move to Pai and become a Buddhist. <laughs> I, I'd think the whole thing's not even real. I hold Jesus here. I hold Dr. Morocco about here. Amen. How many ever have seen Dr. Morocco's friend, Pastor Bob Rogers from Kentucky? I saw in Kentucky, they did a real strict lockdown. And then I saw he was having service. So I called him. I said, uh, you guys are in lockdown. What are you doing having church? And he said in his Kentucky accent, buddy, I'm done. That's Kentucky for I'm not complying. So it took some people a little time. In fact, if they would have lifted this after 15 days to slow the spread, I actually think it's going to backfire on the devil worse for the way things worked out. Because in the beginning, I know I coughed. It was from spit. It was not from COVID. I just want to tell you. I had to get a negative test to come in the island. You understand. I haven't had any bat soup since I've been here. So you, you don't have to worry. I have noticed, I've preached during this whole time, the crowd will give you about three coughs. And then if you cough a fourth time, they just kick their kids and start running for the door. So I, like I told you in the beginning, my friend called me and he said, don't you think you're taking this a little too far? Because what I did was I set up a big service for Easter for me. For me, it, it seemed demonic that on the day we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for every church in the country to be empty. So we held a big outdoor meeting 
And I didn't think anybody was watching me on Facebook Live. Turned me out, some people were watching. And I said, it's going to be big. It's going to be like Woodstock. People will come from all over and celebrate the Lord. Well, the next day, somebody kept ringing my doorbell. I thought it was a real aggressive Amazon delivery driver. So I opened the door to see what they wanted. It was a guy from CBS News. Heard you're having Woodstock. Heard you're, you're having people uh, come over to defile the orders. Well, I got an attorney, and I was doing it on principle. Because number one, for all the churches that said we're to obey the law, the highest law of the land is the Constitution of the United States. In fact, I know when we grow up in school, you're supposed to pledge the flag. But what really, if you come in from another country or if you're sworn into office, you don't pledge the flag. You're to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. The first thing the framers of the Constitution of this country wrote into law is the First Amendment. Two out of the five things that amendment deals with is the right to freely assemble and the right to freely practice religion without any government interference. Now, my brother-in-law and my sister pastor in Montreal, Quebec. They don't have that right in Canada. There, there's two churches right now. They held service in defiance of the COVID order. They got a $100,000 fine, and they fined every member of the board $100,000. The pastor personally, every member on the board, and the church, and if they hold it the next week, they're going to seize all their assets. I want to tell you right now, that's not God. Because if the devil's going to do, and this is, what, this is why I'm bringing this up. This isn't a civics class. When you get into the ministry, it'd be one thing if it was 1960 or 1970 or 1980. But we are not living in the last days. We're living in the final hour of the last days. The devil is doing everything in his power to take control of this nation we're in right now. The United States of America, Dr. Lester Summerall said, the United States of America is the last domino to fall if the devil wants total population control. There's only one nation left that hasn't bit into the global regime. It's the one we're in right now that America has stood. And anytime there's persecution in other nations, what nation do all the preachers come to that are under persecution? America. There's preachers in America right now from all over the world that did everything they could to get out. Their nation was locking down. They all come here. Well, what are you going to do when the clamps come down on this one? And there's a lot of people. I turned 40 last year. There's a lot of preachers that are here that are 48, 45, and younger. And in Bible college, it's not like what Dr. Morocco knew. They taught Bible prophecy. They knew they were coming into a conflict like the Bible says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, unclean spirits. What did Jesus say? Behold, I give unto you power to give good talks. No. Behold, I give unto you power over all the power of the devil. That you'll trample on serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means harm you. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you, but I'm telling you, if you're in the ministry, you need to know you didn't sign up for some kind of night. You're not a motivational speaker. You're, the Bible is not a book that's to be read like it's a Hallmark card. Our job is not to give people 20 minutes of encouragement to go get their butt kicked the next six days and come back in and get more encouragement. The Bible is the power of God in print. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power. Everybody say power. power. 
Hallelujah. The gospel is power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it alone is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. The devil is doing everything in his power to destroy this nation. You name a front. He has his fangs in on it. There are cities in this nation, New York City and Chicago are two of them, where your first grader is given self-touching lessons. Your first grader is told there's no such thing as male or female. It's a spectrum and everybody's somewhere on that spectrum. They hate, they teach them to hate the concept of a family, that a family is whatever you want it to be. Marriage is whatever you want it to be. There's no such thing as male or female. There's no such thing as sexual immorality. Do whatever you want to do. And now you saw this last year, the results of that, that you have an entire generation that is not confused, they're demonized, wrapped up in all kinds of perversion, online, offline. Where are they gonna get help from that? All the government can do is put up billboards and run radio ads. You know, there'll be billboards when I'm driving to preach. Um, uh, spousal abuse is not the answer to marital conflicts. Do the, does the government actually think there's some guy that beats his wife driving on the highway and goes, Spousal abuse is not the answer to, to domestic conflict. Oh, you know what? That's true. I'm going to stop punching my wife when I get angry with her. I don't know what I was thinking. At the root of the problem is sin and the devil. If the problems of life could be, de I mean, look, look at Hawaii. I, as your pastor's mentioned several times, I've been coming here for 15 years, and I don't mean once a year. When we were starting that church in Hana, I used to fly back every six weeks from the East Coast because there was no pastor that, that God had provided yet and I wanted to keep it going. I didn't want all the people to fall away that we worked so hard to, to get out of sin and all that stuff. And I'd hear the ads on the radio driving back to Hana because you didn't get any cell signal, couldn't listen to podcasts or anything. So I'd listen to AM radio. There'd be, there'd be ads all the time uh, uh, for, for ice. When ice, and I know it's still bad here, but when it, when it first came on the scene, like 2005, when it got really bad, that ice epidemic, they'd say, are you addicted to ice? Ice is not the answer. Consider, you know, do you actually think someone's going to listen to that radio ad and quit doing drugs? If you talk to drug addicts, they've been trying to quit for 11 years, 13 years. They don't want to do it anymore. At the root, and I feel like even in full gospel church, it's why, <laughs> it's why your pastor and I get along. That generation understood there's a reason there's four o'clock prayer here. Five o'clock prayer. Churches want to know what that is in, in America. They don't pray. You can tell when they get the mic to pray, they've never prayed. They don't, oh, Lord, we just, we just tell them to you right now. You can tell they've never said a prayer in their life. There's no connection. When they have people here pray, you can tell. They have a prayer life. Father, in Jesus' name, the windows come open. Because this place is pastored by a man that understands. Yes, it's nice to have lighting. Yes, it's nice to have cameras. Yes, it's nice to have new video screens and sound and instruments. But at the root of everything, there's a devil who looks to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only hope for America is not more clinics, not more institutions. America needs a deluge of the power of God to shake this country from Maui to New York City, from Wasilla, Alaska to Laredo, Texas. 
There's a couple things that make me different from a normal preacher. One of them is this. Most preachers, I won't say most, many preachers, but deep down I mean most. In their theology, they believe when God is angry with a nation, he sends judgment. You heard people say that during the COVID outbreak. Well, God, after all the abortion, America's done. This is what God's doing. You'd have to, you'd have, to have screws loose in your head to believe that. You're telling me God's so upset with abortion that he sent it, he, first of all, show me in the Bible where God works by sickness and disease. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, that Jesus Christ is the will of God the Father expressed in the flesh. In other words, if you don't see it in the life and ministry of Jesus, you can't build a doctrine off of it. Did Jesus go around laying his hands on healthy people and making them sick? Hey, little boy that's playing with your friends, you having a good time? Well, I heard you back talk to your mother the other day. Now you're sick. You ain't gonna read that in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. That's not scriptural. You see Jesus laying his hands on the sick and making them healthy. Can you say amen? amen? Well, I believe God sent this as judgment for America's sins. Then you need to re-enroll in some type of sound theology class because the Bible says when Christ died on the cross that he took upon himself the anger. In fact, I'm gonna show it to you. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I was just gonna quote it, but I got so many blank stares, I'm gonna read it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. One of the greatest verses in the Bible. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature, a new, <laughs> I don't want to get real deep on Revelation, but new is the opposite of old. And creature comes from the word create. So how can anyone un, un, know that scripture? Everybody say new creature. How many know we're all just sinners saved by grace? Speak for yourself. The Bible does not teach I'm a cleaned up sinner trying to serve God. It teaches that when you were baptized, the sinner died with Christ and you were raised to new life by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. If you're thankful for it, can you say amen? amen. When we were down in Tampa with Pastor Rodney do, preaching every night, they, they had a pool out on the field, a swimming pool to do baptisms in outside. My daughter had never been baptized. She was uh, seven years old at the time. This was this last summer, still is seven, turns, turns eight in a couple months. And we never made her get baptized, never made her do anything. Brush her teeth and stuff, but I mean spiritually, we don't, we don't make her get baptized at seven. When, when you're ready, I remember when I was ready, I was about her age, seven or eight. They announced they're having a baptism class. They told in the scripture that you're supposed to be baptized. And I leaned over to my mom. I said, I want to get baptized. She said, okay. So I go to sign up at the church. They said, well, you really should wait till you're older. I said, listen, aren't you telling me every Sunday night Jesus could come any minute? You need to be ready and you tell me to wait. Well, you need, you, know, it's, you need to come to our class first then. I said, okay, I'll come to your class. My mom will take me. So I come. It's a four-week class. I remember sitting there for 10 minutes thinking, I think I got it. Old man, washed, new man. Got it. It's not, not that difficult. Do you know, um, 
one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, his name was Billy Graham. He said when he would prepare his sermon, he would prepare it as if he was speaking to a fourth grader. And he made a quote I never forgot. He said, if you make the gospel complex, the results are simple. No, if you, if you make the gospel profound, the results are simple. But if you make the gospel simple, the results are profound. Amazing how much power there is just letting people know Jesus loves you. You don't have to die in your sin. There's nothing the devil's done to you that God won't do something about it today. The evil in this world can never be greater than the Christ that lives in you. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Well, about the same age, my daughter leaned over to my wife. I was preaching. So she leaned over to my wife and she said, I want to get baptized tonight. She said, oh, okay, sure. So my daughter gets in line and they baptized her. Man, when she came up out of the water, we have the pictures. She had the biggest smile on her face. I picked her up out of the water. And then even after the service, she ran ahead of us. It was just like running. And she said, I feel so clean. And she said, it's like the old dirty me's dead. I don't know what she was involved in when we weren't looking. <laughs> running some kind of first grade human trafficking ring or something. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's in the past. It's not important now. But I think about the reality of the gospel that even she, we weren't saying, how do you feel? She was saying, I feel different. I feel clean. Now, we don't go by how we feel. We go by what the word says. But I'm going to tell you, the word will make a change in you where you won't feel the same. Hallelujah. You'll feel different. You'll feel happy without trying to be happy. You go get all my Christian school report cards from first through fifth grade. Almost all of them said the same thing on the back. Very respectful, but laughs too much. Well, I'm going to tell you, I never stopped. I'd be sitting there in my, in my desk just laughing. They'd say, what are you laughing at? I don't know. I'm 10. I have no alimony payments. Closet full of clothes I didn't buy. I'm just happy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In fact, there was a guy giving a prophecy back in June. Somebody sent it to me. It was from Facebook. He said, this guy says he has a prophecy about what's going to happen at the end of the year. I want you to listen to it and tell me what you think. So I looked at it, and before I even played it, I told the guy on the phone, I said, I can tell you right now, whatever he heard wasn't from God. He said, well, how can you tell? You haven't even heard him. I said, because he doesn't look happy. The word of the Lord brings joy. The word of the Lord brings comfort. The word of the Lord lifts people. Does Dr. Morocco strike you as a depressed man? No, he does not. He does, he's not jokey and lighthearted, but you can tell he has a joy. You know, you want to know he's carrying 300 some, 400 some churches as the leader. You think he ran like an ice cream stand somewhere that had an overhead of 100 bucks a month. He just walks in like, lays out the word, walks out and says, isn't, isn't the Lord good? God's been kind to us. He doesn't carry the weight. So I saw this guy with a mean look on his face. The Lord spoke to me about what's to come. I thought, no, I don't think he did. Because when the Lord speaks to you, it doesn't make you be happy and then get sad. The Lord, you know, I've read the Bible through. It's a good idea to do that when you're a minister. I just give it a read one time. I never saw one place where an angel came to someone and said, listen, I know you're very discouraged, 
But if you knew what we knew in heaven, you'd be a lot more discouraged than you are right now. <laughs> and I've never seen that. But I'll tell you what, an angel, the first two words out of their mouth usually was, fear not. They tell me there's 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love, a spirit of power. I was going to say power, but I forgot I'm in Maui. Spirit of power. P-O-W-A-H. Power. Somebody shout power. Spirit of love, spirit of power, and a sound mind. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The spirit of faith is not a spirit that gets sad. The spirit of faith will make you sing in prison. The spirit of faith will make you sleep in a lion's den. Because if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. I tell you, you're going to be all right this year. If you believe that with me, let your amen be the loudest. Amen. This guy's on video. The Lord just showed me that in the, this, in the fall of this year, the whole country's going to be on fire. Let me tell you, there's not enough fire to light all of Arizona on fire. Whole country's going to be on fire. There's not enough fuel. Whole country. Whole country's going to be on fire. And then he said, what you need to do, you need to make sure you have a deep freezer filled with food. First of all, you know, the guy's not a thinker because he said in the same prophecy that they're going to cut everybody's electricity. Well, guess what? You're going to happen to your deep freezer, genius. You need to get a deep freezer, you need to fill it with food, and you need to have guns with plenty of ammunition because the food supply is going to run out. Well, let me ask you a question. What am I supposed to do then? Let's say I listen to that guy. So I, he told you the reason you need the guns and ammunition is because people are going to run out of food. So that's what you want me to do. Do you know my neighbors across the street are 80, the husband's 85 and the wife's 80. I have a funny feeling the plan of God for my life in this final hour is not to blow my neighbors away who are starving to death. The lady's name is Ethel. How do you shoot somebody named Ethel? Excuse me, Jonathan, I heard that you might have some food. Ba 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 ba. Ah, my medical hurt bracelet. I was hungry, now I'm bleeding. I mean, you got to be half out of your mind to think the plan of God for your life is to store up food. I don't read that in the Bible. Do you read that in the Bible that the boy gave Jesus five loaves and two fish? And Jesus said, now listen, you put that food in the boat. And if anybody tries to touch it, Peter, you take that sword. And this time, don't miss. Don't you hit the ear. You take their head clean off. I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. I said, I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. My plan, if the food ran out, I'd believe God to do something with me where we'd have a multiplication. Hey, let me ask you a question. What did you do at this church? Are you hoarding food or are you feeding the whole island? Do you know why you're doing that? Because the Holy Ghost doesn't have a plan for you to survive the attack of the devil. The Holy Ghost has a plan for you to be light in darkness and show the devil that he lost his battle 2,000 years ago. Come on, if you're part of this army, clap your hands one more time and give God the mightiest shout of praise. Come on, give Jesus the biggest hand clap you've ever given anybody. (laughs) 
Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Say the sinner's dead. That's what the Bible says. Romans 6, 1 to 14 for further reading. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creature. The old life is dead. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's what we do. That's the task of a minister. It's not you lousy sinner. You're, you're going where you're going. It's hot. You're going to find out one day you were running. That's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel's praying for people, realizing that the root of the problem is the devil. You know, you actually find out if you get the devil out of the way, people are pretty cool. Even bad ones. You find out that they're actually, they weren't the problem. It's a spirit. You can be real judgmental as a minister. Why would anyone ever do drugs? Then you start talking to the guy on drugs and think, yeah, I probably would have done them too. I got invited to go preach in, in prison one time. I told those guys with opening line. I said, if you had my parents, you'd be giving the speech today. And if I had your parents, I'd probably be wearing the matching orange suit. And that's one thing to tuck in your mind. It don't, no matter how wicked a family's been, it actually only takes one person in the family to say enough's enough. I'm going to bring this house into covenant with God. We're going to serve the Lord with all our heart. And every battle you've had to fight growing up, your children will never have to know those battles because their mother is an anointed woman. Their father is a holy man. I see families turning around for good tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He's given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Say that with me. Say no longer counting people's sins against them. Yeah, Jesus paid the price. Now, I'm not saying like, like, like bozos that are my age say, well, all your sins are forgiven, past, present, or future, because there's still only one type of sin that God forgives, repented of sin. You must repent or you'll all likewise perish. So you're a moron, to, first of all, to believe it yourself, secondly, to go spewing it to other people. Well, all the sins you're ever gonna do, God knew them and he's already forgiven you. That's not true. If you continue in sin, you will die and go to hell. You have to live in victory over sin and not let sin live in victory over you. And anybody that tells you differently, they won't be around in 10 years. They, got, they get about a 15 year run in the ministry. The Lord roots out bad doctrine. I'm very concerned about the state of the church. No need you being concerned about it. Your concerns aren't going to do anything. Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus has been taking great care of the church for 2,000 years, and he's not going to quit in our generation. Well, you know, I just, I don't see that there's a lot of good preachers anymore. Then travel. Because the greatest men and women of God that have ever, God saves the best for last. There's actually, listen, there's actually people in this room that God's going to anoint with the Holy Ghost and fire tonight. You're going to make the devil sorry. He didn't kill you when he had the chance. You're going to lead many people to the feet of Jesus. 
For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned. Never sinned. Well, you know, some people believe in Jesus, others Muhammad, others Buddha. Doesn't matter who you believe in to contact God. No, Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Anybody tells you the opposite, I don't care who they are, they're a liar. They're of their father, the devil. And if you don't believe me because of what I say, then believe me because of the work that you see me do. For I will allow this temple to be taken down in, for three days, but on the third day, my father will give me power to raise it back up again. And his own disciples didn't even discern what he was talking about. On the third day, they went to the tomb to do their Jewish burial ritual. They came there asking, who are we gonna get to roll that big heavy stone away? But when they came, the stone had already been rolled away. The woman went inside, and when she went inside, her Lord's body wasn't there. So she thought somebody stole it. Bible says his grave clothes were there with his face cloth neatly folded at the top. Jesus made his bed before he left the grave. What a guy. And the lady still didn't get it. So she started to cry. And a man who she thought was the gardener said, whom seekest thou? Whom seek ye? Who are you looking for, in, in other words? Jesus of Nazareth, she said. And that man that she thought was the gardener wasn't a gardener, it was an angel. And the angel said, why seek ye the living among the dead? For the Jesus that you're looking for is not here. Behold. He is alive and he lives forevermore. And then he wasn't done. He said, now go tell everyone. How come you Christians can't keep your religion to yourself? It's against our religion to keep our religion to ourselves. Go tell everyone. Because Jesus didn't die for me in this gray suit and Pastor Morocco in his blue suit and a few other Christians. He died for everyone. I would that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. I'm sure that verse is what sent Dr. Morocco's parents to India. 1940s India. That used to be in the heart of ministers. Abandon all that those that have not heard can hear. That you might be bound in your sin, but you don't have to die in your sin. You can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. 
I went to India. It's different now than when his parents went to a nice hotel, some of the nicest hotels I've ever stayed at. They read an auditorium for me to preach. And I preached. I felt, the, I felt the Lord when I was praying, speak to me to preach on the power of the name of Jesus. How it got its power. Mary didn't, Mary didn't pick a name out of a baby naming book from a Christian bookstore. The angel didn't only say she's going to have a baby. She didn't say you didn't pick a name. She said, and you will name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. His name was conferred upon him in heaven. And then the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. That because he humbled himself and died a criminal's death on the cross. God has raised him to new heights in heaven. And has given him a name that is above every name. That at the mention, you don't have to yell it, you mention it. People lose their minds. You say the name of Jesus on CNN, they'll cut to commercial so fast. One producer's head spins around like the girl on The Exorcist. They had that football player on to talk about uh, racial problems and they thought he was going to say what everyone else was saying. He said, no, the root is sin. And the only answer is Jesus. The lady actually, oh, we're having technical, they didn't even have anything in her ear. Look, it's 1965. Oh, we're having technical difficulties. How come you can talk about God and no one cares? Because God means a million things. God's generic. But Jesus is a specific figure who calls you to make a decision. Either you believe. I mean, there's the two thieves on the cross. And everybody's going to be one of those two thieves. The one saying, if you are the son of God. Why don't you come down and save us while you're at it? Mock him. That's nothing new. It's been happening for 2,000 years. That guy's shouting up there. How they want those people's money. How they want your money. What do you think Walmart wants? A relationship? Devil, the devil's such a liar. This is, not, this is not a joke. This actually happened. I went to preach in Fresno, California, and all these guys started coming to the church from a halfway house. They'd been out of prison five days, 10 days, 20 days, straight out of prison, and they liked me. For whatever reason, rough people like me. So they started actually filling up that section of the church, and they all started coming. Well, most of them came and got saved, but then some didn't come. Some stayed at the halfway house. So the pastor extended the meeting a second week, and I made up my mind, if I'm staying... I'm going to go down and preach at that halfway house to the rest of the guys that wouldn't come. If you won't come see me, I'll, I'll come see you. So I went down. I bought 250 Chick-fil-A meals and passed them out to everybody. Because even if people don't like you, if you give them some fried chicken, they'll, think, they'll give you a second shot. <laughs> I preached to those guys and called them to receive Christ. And all the rest of them stood up and received Jesus. And this one guy came up to me. This is at a halfway house. Guy comes up to me. He's been out of prison five days. He said, I'm sorry I haven't come to church to hear you preach. We, we, we thought that you, were, you just wanted our money. I said, what money? You're in a halfway house. I said, you actually just got done telling me, can you pray for me? I don't have any money. Only the devil could deceive somebody. That guy wants your money. Yeah. You don't have any money. What do you think, I was sitting in Pittsburgh with my wife? How can I get money? 
I know, I'll fly first class to Fresno, California. I'll go to that halfway house where the, ex, where the felons are. I said, you don't even have any money. He said, I know, I was thinking about that while you were preaching. So you think about that. The devil had him deceived, that guy wants your money, and then when the anointing came, he realized he didn't have any money. That that guy actually must just love me like Jesus loves me. I'm gonna tell you, that's what the Holy Ghost does. I got no reason to love those guys. They're just, I don't love, I'm not even wired like that. I like minding my own business. I'd never go down to a halfway house and all that. But when the Holy Ghost comes in you, it actually infects you with love for people that you'd actually hate. You'll start praying for people that you used to want to sue because of the love of God. Can you say amen? Can I tell you something? I see your family members that are away from Christ. I see the one that's the furthest away coming home first. You're going to not go to heaven by yourself. You're going to bring your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. The Lord's going to do a work in your family in 2021. Can you say amen? amen? For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Listen to this now. For God made Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Key scripture for your doctrine. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Now, it says to be the offering for our sin, but then there's an asterisk, and it's like that in most translations because they don't want to translate what it actually says because it's too hard for them. It goes against, and it says if you look down, act, the actually rendered, to become, sin, it's, it's him, to become sin himself. God made Christ who never sinned to become sin for us. When Jesus was on the cross, God the Father turned his head from Christ. And Jesus said in the original language, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why I forsook him? Because the sin that would have made God turn his head from me, the sin that was on you, that made God look the other way, was taken from me and laid on him. Do you remember when those vipers in the book of Numbers went to bite all the Israelites? What was Moses' remedy? He said, make one of those vipers, the thing that's afflicting the people, and put it up on a bronze pole, and anyone that looks on it shall live. They used to sing an old Pentecostal song, look and live, look and live. It was from that scripture. Then Jesus said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so I, the son of man, must be lifted up for all flesh. He became sin. God's not mad at me. God's not mad at you. He loves you, and he's calling to you tonight. Get rid of sin, call on me, and I will save you and make you clean. You know the thing that got me on this whole tangent? I said, what, what makes me different than a lot of preachers? Because I found out during COVID, a lot of preachers said COVID is God's judgment. God's mad at America, so he's judging America. Now listen, I know America does a lot of stuff really bad. 
Some preachers think when God's mad at a nation, he sends judgment. But I preach, and I can back what I say from Scripture. When God's had enough of the sin and wickedness that's going on in a nation, he doesn't send judgment. He sends revival. Hallelujah. There was a wicked place in the Old Testament before Jesus under a worse covenant. These people weren't even in covenant with God, Nineveh. And God raised up a man, said, I want you to go there. And it says it like this, preach with the preaching that I give you, which tells you <laughs> no preacher gets to pick what he wants to preach on. I had one church asked me last year, they said, what are you gonna preach on this morning? I said, how should I know? I heard my grandfather when I was a little kid, they said, what are you preaching on this morning? He said, I don't know, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. Because <laughs> sometimes even if you think you know, go with the preaching that I give you. Everybody say, go with the preaching that I give you. I actually have notes up there. Haven't hit point one, probably won't because it went in a different direction. So it's not, it's not an excuse to be unprepared. You actually have to be more prepared. But then what will happen is the Holy Ghost will give you a preaching for those people. I was preaching in Massachusetts outside of Boston one night. And all of a sudden in the middle of my sermon I said, what idiot would tell a mother that lost her five-year-old son that God was the one that killed him? I said, no wonder nobody goes to church from that family. I said, for the kid to die and them go through the worst thing they've ever gone through as a family, and some minister stand up and say, God needed another rose for his garden, so he took their son, and we don't know why he did it, but we have to trust his plan. I said, that's a lie from the devil. I said, the devil's the killer. Jesus brings life. And as I'm preaching, I'm thinking, what am I, you know, I said it out of nowhere. I was preaching on something totally different. Just shut that shut out. What kind of idiot would tell, everybody's looking at me in the crowd like, what's, what's this guy's problem? Does he need a snack and a nap? Is he having personal problems? And I get done and give the altar call. People come forward to get saved. And then the usher said, there's a lady that wants to meet with you. I said, go ahead, send her back. So she comes in and she says, I've never been to church before. And she said, my son died. He was five years old. And I was going to kill myself because I couldn't take it. And she said, I said in my car driving, God, if you're real, I need to hear from you. And I need help. And she said, I heard out loud, go to that church. She was driving by the church I was preaching at. Didn't even know there was a church there. Amazing how the devil blinds people's minds. They could name you 21 bars off the top of their head. They drive by six churches on their way to work and they've never noticed them one time. It's the devil. That's why when you pray, that kind of, hallelujah. Can I tell you this? Now, if, if this doesn't come to pass, you can write me and tell me I'm a false prophet. And I'll write you back and tell you I'm not even a true prophet. I'm an evangelist. That's uh, right on my... <laughs> Right on my website. But you, you can do it anyway. But I will tell you. I tell you, as sure as I'm standing here in a pinstripe suit, the devil's going to have the worst 12 months he's ever had. God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. I can tell you right now, God will personally undo the global reset this year. Can I tell you? If you watch me on New Year's Eve, I said, I know in my spirit, God's going to undo the global reset. The prime minister in Australia, who they were the big, most locked down you could be, them in New Zealand, 
He just did a press conference two nights ago and said, we will not go with Britain and Canada into the global reset. We're not going to participate anymore. The devil may have a wicked plan to shut down the nations, but it's not his time yet. This is the time for the former and the latter reign to join together and the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Can I tell you? You know how I know? This isn't going to be us holding on till the end. Jesus is not coming back for a weak, defeated, bloody church. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And I'm a part of that church. You can't join that church. You have to be born into that church. Born of the water, born of the blood, and born of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel like a wave of the anointing coming back through this whole building. It'll knock every tumor out of your body. It'll recreate your eardrum. If you've got a kid that was born with problems, it'll give him new organs. It'll put his organs that are outside of his body back inside his body. There's nothing the devil has done to this nation. There's nothing the devil's done to your family. There's nothing the devil's done to your marriage or your business. That God can't do something about it right now. You're only one prayer away from the power of God reaching down from heaven and changing you. How long did it take God to create the whole world? Six days. You think he'll ever need more than five minutes with one person? Show me one person they ever brought to Jesus. And he said, whoa. Guys, we could just all gather around for prayer. Ladies bringing the casket of her dead son. Jesus touches it. They stop the procession, touches it again. The boy sits up out of the casket. Jesus goes over to a woman in Luke chapter 13 who had been bent in half for 18 years, crippled. When he saw her and knew how long she had been that way, he touched her and she stood straight up. Oh, how she praised God. God didn't get glory when she was sick. It got glory when she was healed. I used to sing a song especially in like tent meetings. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He cleansed the lepers. He walked on water. When the crippled saw him, they started walking like they should. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He cleansed the lepers. He walked on water. When the crippled saw him, they started walking like they should. Hallelujah. Everywhere he went, my Lord was doing good. God's a good God. He'll take care of you. And he'll take care of you quick. Anyway, the reason I brought it up, there's an evangelist from, based out of Tyler, Texas. His name was R.W. Shambach. And he would pray like that. And he was a friend of our family. And I, maybe that's where I got that in me. I never heard him say, well, you're going to need a lot of prayer. This, this lady came up to him. She was a black lady, but you're not supposed to say stuff like that anymore. She was. So she came up and she said, I need prayer. My son is away from God. He's in gangs and drugs. I don't even know where he's at. And he said, lift your hands. And he grabbed her by both sides of the head. I'd say he'd pray for you. It didn't want to matter what was wrong with you. 
could have a boo-boo on your knee, grab you by both sides of your head and pray. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I break, he had a different voice, I break the hold of the devil off her son. See, they dealt with things in the spirit. They said, well, you think you can have your son come in? We can talk about what kind of childhood he had and what led to the drug addiction. He grabbed her by both sides. He said, I break the hold of the devil off your son. I command him to come home and be saved now. In Jesus' name. She said, thank you, Lord. And left with her hands lifted, thanking the Lord. She comes back the next night with her ex-gangster son, smiling like a butcher's dog. Brother Shambuck, this is my son. He gave his life to the Lord last night. You want to know what happened? Listen now, God will answer prayer. She comes home thanking God, believing her son's going to get saved. She walks to her apartment. The door's open. Her son's laying on the ground of her apartment. She hadn't even seen him in months. Didn't even know where he was. Just knew he was running with a gang. And he's crying and yelling. Jesus, save me. I don't want to go to hell. Save me. She thought she was hallucinating. I mean, can you imagine God answering your prayer so fast? You, you think, isn't that what the Bible says in Psalm 126? We were like them that dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And even the heathen declared the Lord has done great things. So she finds out what happens. He grew up in church. And knew about the second coming and all that. He comes home to see his mom. And she left in a hurry and left the teapot on. She never left home. She was like a shut-in, but she'd walk to the tent meeting because Brother Shembach would put his tent up right in the, in the projects. So his mom's gone. That's not normal. There's tea on the thing. And, and all the water had gone, so it's squealing. The lights are on. No sign of his mom. And he starts thinking, no, I couldn't uh, I, I think I missed the rapture. And she left TBN on. And Billy Graham was on. Because Jan Crouch used to put on Billy Graham a half hour night. And he said, what about you, friend? It's not too late for you. If you'll call on the name of the Lord, he'll save you. He threw himself down on the floor, started to cry out to Jesus. She came home and that prayer had already been answered, scared the devil out of him, came to the tent that night and gave his life to Jesus. I'm gonna tell you right now, your son is not too lost. Your husband's not too lost. There's no chain that hell is forged that the power of God can't break over their life tonight. Can you say amen? Can you say it better amen? I'm going to tell you that's what we're going to do the rest of this year. We're going to remind the devil that 2,000 years ago, he didn't win the victory. He lost the victory. He never got that victory back again. Jesus holds the keys. I said Jesus holds the key. I hold the key of David and am the heir to his throne. I open a door and no man can shut it. Jesus is going to open a door called revival. And the Holy Ghost is going to sweep through Maui, sweep through Oahu, sweep through Kihei, sweep through the 56 states the blood of Jesus will cover this nation come on if you receive that with me make a joyful noise let the devil know that you know he's defeated let Jesus know he's got something to work with somebody shout revival, revival. 
Stay on your feet, everybody. The Holy Ghost will blow the devil's hold out of any area. It's like dynamite. Dunamis, just blow up. Blow tumors out of people's bodies. Open somebody's deaf ear up. Heal a boy that's born deaf and his ears will come open. It'll start a multi-generational testimony. The lady that had cancer in her ovaries, God will take the cancer out and then make the ovaries. Say this with me. Say what the devil means for bad. God will turn it for good. I'll tell you this, before I pray for everybody, just stay on your feet or remind me to, to shut up. When they started writing all those nasty news articles about me, I'm sure the devil's plan was for it to hurt my ministry. But anything he does, the devil is a professional screw-up. His greatest plan was to crucify Jesus Christ. How did that work out for him? Never was that bright. I'm sure that those, all those newspaper articles that came out, that I'm some idiot that doesn't believe the virus is real. I know the virus is real. I know three people who have died from it. Some people, I know someone who died from it. I know three, so I got you beat by two. Well, people have died in our church. People die in church every year. Since when's the church supposed to take the blame for it? In fact, before this year, the churches should have taken the blame. We used to all churches had a water fountain out back with green stuff growing on it. Church probably did kill a few people. But we never felt bad about it. You knew what you were getting into when you used the water fountain. When you ate that ham salad sandwich at the women's meeting. You were, you were rolling the dice. I, I knew the virus was real. No, it's real now. But you know, there's a verse in the Bible anyway, Matthew 24. Jesus said before he comes back, there'll be plagues. Not a plague. Plagues. Plural. COVID-19 won't be the last one, nor will it be the worst one. So whatever course of action a ministry takes now, they're going to have to take it off. If, they, if you close down now, you'll be closed a lot. Because Jesus said these things aren't going to decrease, they're going to increase. Anyway. So they write all these nasty newspaper articles about me, put me on CBS News and all that. TMZ called my parents in Maine. Said, can we speak to Jonathan? My mom said, no, he's not home. Said, when, when's he gonna be home? She said, I don't know, he's 40. <laughs> my poor mother's been getting calls about me my whole life. Probably thought by the time I was 16 or 17, it let up. I'm 40. She's still getting calls. Uh, your son, we need to speak to him. Well, sure the devil meant for that to wreck my reputation, but it had the exact opposite effect. I was home. Uh, well, you can't lie and go to heaven, so I'd like to say I was home praying. I was home playing video games, <laughs> trying to unwind, killing imaginary people on some war game. And uh, the doorbell rang. So I went down to answer the doorbell. And it was my neighbor from a few streets down. Now, I don't know how Hawaii is. I've not lived here. I've preached here a lot. But in the Northeast, you know, in the South, I know it's normal to meet your neighbors. In, in the Northeast of the United States, you could live in a neighborhood for 15 years and never meet the people on the street. So it's not normal for people just to come over to your house. 
So this lady knocks on the door. She said, I read about you in the newspaper. You're that preacher that's holding services even though there's a lockdown. So I thought, oh, well, you're going to come over to my house and argue with me? I thought she was going to be mad. She said, well, when they wrote those newspaper articles, I looked you up on YouTube and I started watching you preach. And she said, my, uh, I saw you pray for those people and what the Lord did. She said, my daughter-in-law is not able to have children. They're going to come over tomorrow night. Would you come over our house and lay hands on them? Praise God. I thought I was on like drugs or something. I thought, like, what? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. I said, just come back because I'll forget. So when they come over, come over and knock on my door. So I forgot about it, but then the doorbell rings. It's them. I already had a suit on. I think I had to do like TV taping, so I was already dressed for action. <laughs> I put my, my shoes on, went over to their house, and they're there. I said, uh, your, your mother-in-law tells me you've been having some trouble having children. Yeah, we've done IVF, three different IVF things, nothing's worked. Can't even get pregnant. It's not she was getting pregnant and losing the baby. Can't even get pregnant. So I, I preached them a little message. I said, you know, the, the first command that God gave was be fruitful and multiply. I said, so your desire to have children isn't some kind of selfish desire you're talking God into. God wants you to have babies. I said, and I'm his servant, so I'm going to help you. I said, put your hand on your belly. Lift your other hand to the Lord. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command that womb to come open. I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your weakness would be turned to strength. That since your problem was not having kids, I pray the Lord to give you a new problem. That you'll have a problem stopping having kids. Be like a full gospel Irish Catholic. In Jesus' name. You could feel the anointing come in there. And then I, I said, now listen, any, if the enemy ever tries to trouble you, this isn't going to work, what, what did that pray even do? I said, anytime a thought like that comes, just lift both your hands to the Lord and thank God. Thank him that he's opened your womb. Thank you, you're going to have a baby. And then my wife and I were sitting out by our, our little outdoor fire that we have in, in the backyard. And she gets a ding on her phone. Somebody messaged on Instagram. And it was that lady with the pregnancy test, positive. Boy or girl, when she do? Due in May, it's going to be a girl. It's carried the child through this whole time without any problems. And that baby's going to run around and be a reminder to the family that this is not a religion. We serve a God who answers by fire. And you want to know another thing? That baby's going to walk around, become a child, and be a reminder to the devil that you can't do what you want. That kid's a miracle. God doesn't only perform miracles. God will make you a miracle. When your friends you used to do drugs with see the change in you, they'll have to admit this isn't a religion. There's a God that changed your life. God doesn't just perform miracles. God will make you a miracle. 
My preschool teacher came up to me at the end of a service back in 2013. She said, you probably don't remember me. I was your preschool teacher. Where are the braces that were on your legs? When I was in her class, my feet were turned in. I wasn't pigeon-toed. I was like messed up. They did three non-surgical procedures on my legs to straighten my legs out, and none of them worked. I had metal braces on my legs in her preschool class and a speech impediment. And then she sees me up there giving the sermon. She said, were you the one in my preschool? What happened to the braces on your legs? I said, they're back in hell with my speech impediment. Just because the devil sends you a package doesn't mean you have to sign and take it in the house. You can send that sucker back to hell and enjoy the victory in Jesus' name. I see hundreds of Hawaiians leaving out of this door with the victory. The devil thought he had you, but the table has turned. You're leaving here with the victory tonight, whether the enemy likes it or not, in Jesus' name. One more time. Take 15 good seconds. Put those anointed Hawaii hands together. Let a Maui shout come up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah, come on, let it rip. Give God the highest praise. For he's worthy. He's worthy. You're too, you're too pretty to die. You're too pretty to go to hell. You're too pretty to, you're made in the image and likeness of God. Say out loud, I'm made. In his image. That's how, any God, how you know any God you look at that has more than two arms, you're looking at the wrong one straight away. We're made in his image. Can you say amen? How life started is not how it has to finish. As hard as the last 15 years have been, that's how easy it can be from here till when you go to heaven. The Lord will take that heavy yoke off your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. That's why I came to deliver that news. Bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to lift both hands to the Lord. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.